When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Performance Anxiety, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. Before we jump into the show, I wanted to take a second and thank AKG for sending us their Podcaster Essentials Package. If you ever thought about starting your own podcast, this is an economical and high quality way to get started. It includes the AKG Lyra USB microphone and the K371 set of headphones, which are amazingly comfortable. Highly recommend it. Now, we're joined by a musician who thrives when he's uncomfortable. Tobias Nathaniel's greatest enemy is muscle memory. That's why he switched from guitar to organ. He formed the Blackheart Procession and kept his penchant for being uncomfortable by playing instruments like sheet metal and being the wedding band for Melvin's drummer Dale Crover's nuptials. He also explained how he inadvertently wrote Rick and Morty's Evil Morty theme. Toby moved to Serbia to show solidarity with vampires and possibly join a vampire class action lawsuit. He also tells us how Madonna broke his heart. He started a new band called The Red Step that sounds like garage rock meets post-punk. It's raw and gloomy in the best ways. He also discusses his performance anxiety and how he became a frontman for his band. Follow The Red Step on social media and pick up their debut on Pravda Records. Follow us at Performance ANX. Subscribe, rate, and review, especially if you're in Serbia. Buy us a non-committal cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. Merch featuring our logo designed by Mark Dancy, creator of Soundgarden's Bad Motorfinger logo, is available at performanceanx.threadless.com. Now let's march right into Tobias Nathaniel and The Red Step on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. This is Toby, a.k.a. Tobias Nathaniel of The Red Step and The Blackheart Procession. You're listening to Performance Anxiety. (laughs) That seemed fine with me. All right. right. Sorry for being difficult right out the gate. No, 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 no. This is easy. (laughs) Okay, great. You were there when I called, so that was that's a good start. Right, right. (laughs) Um. (laughs) That doesn't always happen. Yeah, I had the inverse happen last night. Oh, really? um, Yeah, I was supposed to do a podcast, and the interviewer was actually sick. Oh, geez. um, Hopefully, not with the obvious. Yeah, um, hopefully. So it had to be rescheduled. So yeah, it can happen the other way around too. I hate that having to call somebody like, Hey, I know we're supposed to talk tonight or, or, or tomorrow, whatever it was, but something came up and I got to reschedule. I absolutely hate doing that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, although life is life and sometimes these things happen. Ex- exactly. And uh, just about everybody I've had on, if I've ever had to do that, which has only been a few times, they've been very understanding. So. Good. good. I've, been, I've been really fortunate with this podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. All right, so thank you for joining me today. This is uh, you're the first person from uh, Serbia 
that I've ever had on. So that's really yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know exactly uh, how big the music community is in Serbia, but you are definitely the only the first one I've had so far. So. Okay, great. I'm sorry. Have we started recording? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, we just kind of roll into it a little bit. It's it's more conversational okay, okay. than anything. Um, sure, sure. So the first thing I like to find out from, from people I have on is how you got into music in the first place. Was it something that you were doing as a kid? Was Were you listening to a lot of music? Was there a lot of music in the household growing up? Yeah, so for me, it kind of started pretty early on with, um, I must have been around five or something, and we had a, an eight-track tape player, if you remember that. Wow, yes. <laughs> so uh, I would sit there with headphones on and listen to primarily uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, The Wall, and Yes, actually. Oh, nice. Man, uh, that was on the eight-track. That must have sucked, because on the longer tracks, didn't you have to flip over to the different side of the, the eight track in like in the middle of a song sometimes you know i don't remember it would be funny to you know to see <laughs> That's a, you know track down and an existing uh if i track could, player and set. yeah if i can find like an eight track copy of relayer that would be a that'd be a good test right there <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah but i don't recall i don't recall there being some kind of break in the, in the music or could have been. <laughs> yeah. So, were you, did you start on guitar originally? Yeah. So let's see. It's kind of weird. Um, my parents bought me, uh, I'm left-handed. So my parents bought me a left-handed ukulele. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing. Yeah, I, I guess there are. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, I uh, kind of goofed around with that for a bit. And then later I had the like Sears special little junky electric guitar with amp. I don't even know. Do people even know what Sears is anymore? I don't know. Cause it's, I know all the ones around here, I'm in uh, Winchester, Virginia and all the ones around here have closed. I right, think right. I'm not bankruptcy now. Aren't they? Aren't they I think they close everything uh, at this point. Well, I haven't seen one for a while, so that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, <laughs> Walmart. I, Walmart. <laughs> there you go. The, the equivalent, the modern day equivalent. <laughs> right. So yeah, the, this, this is a guitar and amp combo thing, little cheapy, uh, sort of setup. And I don't know, I, I played around with that for a bit and kind of lost interest. And, um, then later this was, well, I think I was like 14. Uh, I heard uh, master of puppets oh. on vinyl for the first time. And that was like completely eye opening. It was like, I had never heard music before. Wow. And actually previously I sort of, I never really understood the music my friends listened to. I would hear it and I would go along with it because I guess I was supposed to like it. <laughs> uh, you know, we're having fun doing stuff and, you know, skateboarding or whatever. I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, hearing that album sort of really opened my eyes. To oh man. What was possible. What were they listening to that you weren't really getting into? Oh, just the, the usual fare, like, you know, mainstream radio or even local, local radio stuff. Yeah. It just, you know, it, it didn't, I don't know. It just didn't really connect somehow uh, okay. until, up until that, that was the, the defining moment of like, Oh, music can be this, like it can actually affect me. Is that when you decided you wanted to start playing in a band? It was when I uh, picked up guitar again. Okay. And so um, I got some sort of something a little more decent and right-handed uh, <laughs> this time. Uh, and yeah, so I kind of launched onto this, into this path of uh, thrash metal, and which was my kind of first, first real like, kind of musical love. Okay. So were you, uh, when did you actually start 
playing out. I know I, I saw some of your first releases were with the band Struggle. Was that right? Right. Was that one of your first bands, or was that uh, a couple bands down the line? Yeah. So the story with that band that was when I would have been about seventeen. Okay. Um, when that album came out, or maybe eighteen. How I met them is uh, the drummer for that band was in my jazz band at school. Oh yeah, so basically, uh, having done thrash for a bit, um, I started getting into jazz. And my high school at the time, um, amazingly, do you know all the cuts in the curriculum with art and everything? Yeah. They had a really good jazz program, oh. so I started playing, uh, learning uh, jazz guitar. And the requirement to be in the band was that you had to study jazz theory and uh, take lessons from some pretty serious people. Okay. So I started developing technique and theory. Um, and so anyway, the drummer uh, of struggle was the drummer for our high school uh, jazz band. And nice. They, their guitarist, uh, Cliff, I remember at the time, uh, had to leave the band due to like college stuff. He was going off to college. Ah. So I replaced him and infused it with a little more metal. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, two metal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, perfect. Back, it's perfect. Like crossover metal, hardcore yeah. stuff. <laughs> and so that was the first, yeah, the, the first thing that, that um, I was on that was published. Yeah. And so we did, you know, little little West Coast tour or something. And, oh, cool. and um, yeah, so that band, and incidentally, the, the bassist of that, Group is uh, Justin Pearson, who's uh, in The Locust and most recently Dead Cross. Oh, cool. That's pretty awesome. So, San Diego, yeah, San Diego has a really interesting <laughs> music scene. Yeah. So, and this, so, this was in the, in California. You grew up in, in yeah. California? Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've only been in Serbia for a little over five years. Right. Um, okay. And I've lived, yeah, I was born and raised in San Diego and I moved to Portland, Oregon when I was like around 30 or so. Okay. And you moved, you went from struggle and into the band Three Mile Pilot. Was that a, was that the next band or did you have anything in between that, that kind of made that transition a little easier for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> vastly different bands. It is. So, they really are. Yeah, so, so yes, some things did happen in between. I had a band with some friends called the young destroyers, which was, um, like, um, a garage rocky kind of spooky garage rock thing where, uh, I played organ and I kind of made oh, this wow. decision to play organ because every time I sat down at the guitar, my fingers just started moving in the patterns that they were supposed to move in. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I wasn't making this connection anymore with my heart or mind. Okay. Um, I figured it'd be cool to sort of shed the theory a little bit and technique and sit down at something and only just use, you know, my ear. Wow. So yeah, I started playing, uh, we had a little Hammond organ. So, um, started playing <laughs> that. That's awesome. Rocky thing with, with my good friend, uh, Josh Kwan. And then, um, kind of simultaneously, Josh and I were in another band that he had started called uh, a day called zero in which I played bass.
trying to step away from the guitar a little bit and experiment with other instruments and just other ways of doing things and look, trying to look at music as, as a whole, rather than, you know, just, I'm a guitarist and yeah. I'd like to remove that identity and kind of look at music differently. So those two bands happened and how I ended up joining through my pilot was they had already existed for a long time. Okay. Um, they're, popular band in San Diego and had just been signed to Geffen records. They had finished an album and were looking for, they're always a three piece, but they were looking for someone to do um, like additional parts to play the parts they had written that were like organ and, you know, some of the bass and even drums on stuff. So as an instrumentalist, like I kind of fit and the San Diego scene back then was interesting. It was a little bit fragmented, maybe like we had a scene, but there were sort of sub scenes that were a little bit divided and there was a bit of crossover, but, um, people kind of tended to stay in there. <laughs> oh, really? um, so I was for, you know, they, they were from a different scene. They're a little bit older. And, oh, okay. um, at any rate, um, you know, I met those guys and, and Paul, who's also the singer of Blackheart Procession, singer of Zemont Pilot. So, um, yeah, I tried out with them and, um, yeah, it all worked out and we got along and, This river, you and I, underneath the sky that's ever falling down, 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 ever falling down. When you start playing organ, you're just going by feel. You're not taking any lessons. You haven't taken piano lessons or anything like that. You're just trying to jumpstart your creativity by doing it on on your own yes and i actually in fact i really like for things to be uncomfortable for me on piano i still even though i'm sort of considered to be a pianist right primarily it's never comfortable for me wow especially at first once i get a handle on the song itself um it becomes easier but i never wanted to feel cozy i want to sit down feels a little bit like it's it's not necessarily fighting me but i don't want to feel so comfortable that my fingers do the you know do the talking right something else right yeah you don't want to get stagnant and just go to the uh the muscle memory chords and muscle exactly exactly okay and you end up leaving three mile pilot now did you leave with paul at the same time and and just and start black heart procession yeah so how that went down was um uh geffen wasn't happy with the album so i had already been playing with them for a bit like learning their so on but geffen wasn't happy with the album they they felt there wasn't a strong single as major labels like to do right. and yeah and so the a and r guy's like hey look you got this new dude maybe he can you know you guys can work on some more material with with that guy involved and so we kind of started working on stuff and actually this is a bit of a diversion but it's kind of a funny story i just um, i love funny stories that's what this thing this whole podcast is about i saw i saw and i um, i'm really bad at remembering this stuff but i, I sat down and tried <laughs> for some goofy stuff so i remember so i remember talking to our a and r guy at the time at geffen and um i think madonna had just come out with some song it's like frozen song okay and like, well, we were talking about something i'm like well you know it's like fine but you know at least you know she's writing her you know she writes her music and blah 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 and the a and r guy's like blank stare like she doesn't write her own music <laughs> it just blew my i had no idea i didn't understand like the mechanisms of the you know major label industry how oh, all that wow. stuff works 
because I had only dealt with like kind of independent the bands who you know wrote their own music right. um, in whatever capacity, whether it's you know more of a collective thing or someone brings the ideas. So that was a huge like shock to me. Oh, like, wow. I'm like, are you kidding? Like this music is all so bad, and and they're not even writing it. Yeah, <laughs> she's not even writing it herself. It's horrible, and she's choosing to sing it. Like, sure. Yeah. So anyway, that was a funny story that that reminded me. Of. At any rate, um, back to the previous stuff. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> the label ultimately um, decided not to release the record. Unfortunately, uh, they didn't shelve it. They gave it back to us. Oh, wow. And it was ultimately released with a, a few new tracks um, with me on them through Cargo Records in San Diego. And at the time, so what basically happened with Black Art is we were kind of under the thumb of this, like, you know, major label machine yeah. expectations that they had, like they like to do. This yeah. band is awesome. Let's get a hold of it and change the shit out of it. Yes, so it sucks. exactly. <laughs> so I think we were all pretty like frustrated with that situation and... Uh, Paul and I were living together at, at at the time, and we we decided like, look, let's let's do some stuff where there's no restrictions, and let's be as weird and and creative, you know, do do what we want, and you know, not even tell each other no to our ideas, and so that's and, and oh, and at the same time, we we had just broken up with our girlfriends, and oh, uh, so we were all you know, and, and depressed. So we decided to do this thing and kind of make fun of this of this sadness. Okay. Do it in a kind of a tongue in cheek way. Oh, I think awesome. people think that we're really super fucking morose. But yeah. Like, we're really not. <laughs> <laughs> and especially when you deal with so often, what's the right word? Like interacting with these kind of feelings and, uh, considering them and then expressing them. It's cathartic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people keep those things bottled up inside. And, yeah. you know, I think that that can alter their, you know, mood and behavior. Oh, for sure. So, so you guys are basically approaching the music in an improv type of way where it's, it's yes. And so somebody brings in an idea and you're like, yes, and we'll do this. Sure. Sure. It was, I mean, of course with some minor tweaks and those minor tweaks became larger tweaks later, but <laughs> yeah. the idea is let's just, you know, do something, have fun, do something creative and, and really try to, to allow each other the space to do the things that we want to do okay and primarily and for the most part it did and one thing that i did learn from um the major label experience was uh songwriting in terms of song structure and arrangement okay um <laughs> one of these previous bands i was in we had you know these 10 15 minute <laughs> songs yeah and that experience whether it was direct or indirect kind of taught me that um you know, the, the song should just say what it means. Like it doesn't need to go on for, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't need to go on for 10 minutes. If right. there's a couple, you know, and then some people, some people actually have three songs and they don't realize it and they turn it into one song. Ah, so, okay. I, I know what you exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think that was valuable. However, however it occurred, but that's kind of when it occurred and it sort of changed my approach toward, toward songwriting and, and song structure. And you're playing piano in Blackheart Procession, but I've, I also noticed that you also play sheet metal. <laughs> so the way Blackheart works, uh, I, I would be the multi-instrumentalist, but primarily piano. Right. Because I mostly play live. But when we do the recordings, it's pretty much whatever. Oh, man. So on, on some songs, like I might play drums and piano and organ and bass, uh, even some guitar. Paul will do, who's a singer, um, you know, plays guitar. But we also experiment and let each other experiment. And he, he plays a musical saw. So, Oh, that's um, awesome.
love musical right, stuff. And, yeah, yeah, it's great. Great spooky theremin. <laughs> exactly. Okay. The creepy sci-fi sound. Exactly. The name, Blackheart Procession, is that based on uh, the breakup of the girlfriends and, and the uh, dealing with those feelings? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like representative of, of, of the mood. And, and again, this thing is, pretty, is kind of tongue in cheek. And I don't think people always because it is pretty dark. But if you listen to lyrics, for example, Paul will put things like heart in every title of the song on the first album. Right. There's like little markers, little, little roadmaps there if you want to see it. It's it's like overtly, deliberately, you know, oh so sorry me. Right. <laughs> but I lost track. Uh, you were asking. Oh man, oh, I, the name. The yeah, name. yeah. <laughs> I'm a forgot too. I was just enjoying the stories. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, I was worried I'd be too boring or not have enough to say. Oh god, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. So the name actually is another like it's representative of of the kind of collaborative. Thing between Paul and I, he came up actually with the black heart part, and I came up with the procession part. Oh, and cool. it just sort of, he's like, Black heart, something like a group of people moving, blah blah blah. And I'm like, <laughs> like a funeral procession, so it all works, it all works. <laughs> something people moving, that's that's awesome. You mean a procession? Yes, <laughs> that's people so... moving in a somber and <laughs> <laughs> and you guys. You know, you, you put out several albums, you, you toured, and you, I mean, you're still based in the San Diego area at that point? Ah, uh, well, let's... Or the, the Portland? Then. Yeah, so what happened is, I think we had already released three albums, four, four when I, by the time I moved to Portland. Okay. So I think that was 2004. I'm bad at numbers and dates. But the, <laughs> but yeah, so then we made the decision to move, and... For the first three albums, we recorded at a studio and we spent our advances on the recording studio. And for the fourth album, we decided to actually build our own studio. Oh, cool. And so the album previous was all done in San Diego. So we had the, um, the, you know, the, the resources now to kind of do things on our own terms and also uh, have more people play because we were, had been recording in, in Seattle, actually, Bothell at a studio called Bear Creek. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It's an amazing people. Um, yeah. So, but that like that ate our whole budget, and it was really hard to get additional people to to play with us. So, Paul and I did most of the stuff, and would maybe invite a drummer or um, a trumpet player or something, or someone who could do <laughs> both uh, or more. Uh, okay, okay. So that so starting the studio, and this was you know mostly kind of Paul's Paul's thing. He wanted to also do the studio for his his own purposes, like he wanted to record and produce and do stuff. Okay. I was never interested so much in, in <laughs> because people tend to nerd out on the gear and they lose track of the like here's this great compressor and like here's this this and that and it's like well yes. cool i'm just trying to use my ears <laughs> <laughs> you more you more feel on whatever it takes to to get what's in your head it's super super important and even these days to take another diversion i don't i won't touch an instrument until an idea is like pretty developed oh really wow so i, I again i have this like fear of, of the fingers ruining uh, something okay, okay. and yeah. so if a song like for, for instance right now i've got like two and a half of them in my head and so <laughs> they've been there they've been there for a while okay. and uh, they intend they intend to stay but a few have come and gone and i guess they you know didn't make the cut or whatever yeah. <laughs> but I think something is strong enough and it stays there long enough and if i know what it's supposed to sound like you know i, I won't make a mistake with, uh, so you don't you don't really like yeah. to do a lot of experimenting before you start 
playing the songs in? That can, that can work. Um, okay. for me these days, no, not so much. Um, again, in the early days of piano, since it was such a new instrument, it was such a new thing for me. Every, everything felt new. Yeah. And certain combinations of notes or chords or something would, would kind of like, Ooh, this is new, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. The shapes that my fingers are making here make that sound. So, um, so yeah, but as I've you know, developed as, as a writer, and especially in the current situation with, with red step and, and stuff, I kind of tend to like ideas to be fairly developed in terms of like vocal, primary melody, vocal melody, chord structure, chord changes, and some element of harmony. Okay. And an idea. It's kind of like, you, uh, it's, it's like, I'm sure everyone has had songs stuck in their head. Like you have some oh. rolling stone song. Yeah. It's like, you just can't remember it. It's like there. And it feels real. Um, that's what these things are like for me. Like, so it's, it's like having a song stuck in your head, but it doesn't exist yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> so are, now are you actually hearing that like the completed song or is it just like little fragments that you're try, trying to mentally tuck away to hopefully pull back at another point? Yeah, it will depends. So, okay. um, because there are always, you know, whatever, there are other band members and they, they will have contributions in some way or mm -hmm. another. Sometimes if a thing is strong enough, like if there's like an organ line, I'll be like, this is really important as a counter melody or harmony. It works with the, directly with the vocal melody. But I like to leave some space for people to, you know, like comp compose a part that works within the context. That oh, cool. So when did you hook up with Blonde Redhead? Blonde Redhead. So we were at the time Blackheart and Blonde Redhead uh, on the same label. And this would have been around Blackheart's third album. Okay. Um, and yeah, oh yeah, we actually like introduced them to Bear Creek. They like oh, cool. recorded the many times. But um, so we, being on the same label, uh, we did some touring together and, um, you know, got kind of close, got to know each other. And uh, then they asked me if I would uh, fly up to. Bear Creek to play piano on a handful of songs on their album Melody of Certain Damaged Lemons, I believe. And, you know, and honestly, sometimes I don't exactly pay attention to who's on what track. I love reading liner notes and all, but it, as as I start doing this podcast more, my kids grow up and get older. It's harder for me to actually just sit down and listen to stuff all the way through and read liner notes like I used to. And so it, I, don't, right. I don't always know who's playing on what track. And when, when I started researching for the, this episode, I was like, oh, man, this is awesome stuff. <laughs> so, great yeah that's great so great now, band. were you just in the studio with them or did you end up uh playing live with them at all or i never played live but yeah what happened is they they sent me a cassette tape this is all about tapes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they sent me a cassette tape with like uh these handful of songs they had me in mind for and they were like basic chord changes with maybe like a, some kind of song melody so kind of rudimentary 
Okay. Yeah, chord chord structure, chord changes, and, and a melody. So I then, you know, sat down and wrote piano parts for those things, and then I then I flew up to um, Bear Creek to to record with them. And incidentally, one of those one of those songs, um, like basically once they were recorded, it, they decided, okay, well, actually the piano is really strong on these. Let's like make it the primary instrument okay along with vocals and one of those ended up being do you know the show rick and morty yes all right so the it's for the damaged coda um it's like piano vocals drums a little bit of guitar um that is the evil morty theme i was gonna ask you about that oh i'm so glad you brought that up Mm -hmm. how did that happen did they reach out and say hey we want we love this part we want to use it or did they just use it and you found out later I don't know. I haven't been in touch with the blonde redhead people for a while. Um, so I imagine, I imagine that some music supervisor, you know, working with Rick and Morty contacted either the label or their management or something. Oh, so, so how did you find, you just watching Rick and Morty and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, there's my piece. <laughs> someone, someone told me yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, here's actually how I found it. Well, I think maybe someone told me. And so I looked up, um, this evil Morty thing and I was like bombarded by piano tutorials. I see. I did that I, same thing. As soon as I heard that, uh, that was you, I, I did this exact same thing. It's, it took me a while to find the actual piece. Right. Right. <laughs> I think the actual one is like, um, just a still image of the album cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. <laughs> so, but it's crazy how viral that thing went. It's really funny. So somebody just told you, you had no idea. That's insane. I have no idea. Yes. Oh my <laughs> gosh. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. So Black Heart <laughs> Session, did you guys, is it on hiatus since with the last album? Because the last album came out in what, 2009, but you guys have played <laughs> since then. Yeah, so we sort of after the after the record six, we sort of went back to the basics of, of Paul and I. We had a couple people play on on things like strings and things that we can't do, um, okay. and a couple guest guest players that we wanted. Yeah. But we really wanted to go back. We had sort of allowed a more collective approach on the previous record, and we decided to kind of go back to okay, let's just have it basically be us and invite some friends okay. uh, here. And and so we did all the touring on that um finished that record did the touring on that and then Let's see. Yeah, we just decided to kind of take a break after that one. Like things were just, I don't know. It, it, all this touring and, and shit is like not as easy as people think. And, oh, and yeah. also the expectations that, that you have, even from your fans, to produce something not only that sounds like you, but is also new and different. <laughs> right, right. That's, I hear that a lot. That that's, it's, you're almost damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you, you put out something that sounds like you. Oh, that's, that just sounds like everything else. You put out something different. That doesn't sound like them at all. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of got to this point where we were like, all right, um, you know, let's take a little break. And that's what happened. And uh, in the meantime, let's see, I had already moved here and started the Red Step. And right. uh, during that period, our European booking agent called um, and said, 
like there's demand for you guys would you be interested in doing a tour even though you don't have any new material people are doing these like play a record from start to finish kind of thing yeah pick, pick an album that you've done and do it wow and so we agreed we agreed to do it and um and so we did that and then we did another u.s tour and then we do one-off shows here and there like for example if i go to san diego um to visit we'll play a show i mean back before the you know the fun times of Corona. <laughs> yeah. Good grief. But, yeah. um, but, the, uh, yeah. So we would kind of, you know, set something up, you know, when we're together and just play here and there. Okay. And we've all, yeah. Yeah. And it's, so it's not, it's not really, yeah, we're not broken up or on hiatus. It's just kind of, we'll do stuff if, if it works. Yeah. <laughs> and we've talked about making a new record and the distance is rough and yeah. right now is rough, but oh, I would yeah. love to make, I would love to make another record at this point with Paul to see like how it, how it turns out. Oh, that'd be great news. But when did you actually move to Serbia and why did you choose Serbia? Uh, vampires. Oh, excellent. That's, (laughs) you know what? That is the best answer for any question I ask anybody. If if every podcast, the answer was was vampires for every question, I would still do this show. (laughs) Well, I mean, here, here's the deal. So, uh, Serbia is, uh, the birthplace of the original vampire, Sava Zabonovich. Okay. Uh, and I got kind of tired of hearing all this, you know, Transylvania this and Vlad the Impaler that. Right. And I wanted, I wanted to kind of move here to, you know, sort of show solidarity in my support of vampires. Interesting. <laughs> that is the... I'm totally kidding. My, my, <laughs> wife, is, my, my wife is from Belgrade. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. That was such a great, I was, you know, I was going to say that's the most interesting reason anybody else has moved halfway across the world. Yeah. <laughs> it I don't know. <laughs> my, my solidarity with the vampires. Oh, you got me. All right. Well, that was good. So yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it's true. That's actually all true. Um, not, not me moving here because of it, but right. the, the or, origin of the vampire is actually from Serbia. And, wow. and in fact, um, some fun fact is that the name uh, vampire is the only internationally used Serbian, original Serbian word. Oh, vampire. wow. That's cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah, weird, weird stuff. So what is the uh, musical scene pre and mid COVID in Serbia? What's it like? Because you've been there since what? Uh, what, what year did you move there? Oh, uh, over five now. <laughs> wow. Again, really uh, exact dates um but uh, yeah so musical scene here well there there are a handful of bands um doing different stuff this and that i don't know i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't call it necessarily strong in terms of independent stuff okay there are some mainstream things there's there we have here what's called nerodnyatsi i know it sounds like neo-nazi but it's nerodnyatsi <laughs> it's like the music and so it's like because because Serbia was under the Ottoman Empire for so long, it has this like Turkish, like Orientally vibe. Okay. Stuff, and it's usually played at what we have here called kafana. It's like a, it's like where a restaurant where people go and and they play that kind of music there. And so now they have this version. Some of the original stuff is is cool, like yeah. the more folky versions. But they have this kind called tur- turbo folk, which turbo is like got a, got a kind of, yeah, it's got this kind of electronic bent to it and, and it's i don't know not not my thing i'll gotta i'll so have to that, check that out i gotta hear what that sounds like yeah yeah turbo folk <laughs> <laughs> in terms, right? maybe that'll be a, a top a youtube topic like black heart procession or turbo folk i have to look that up turbo folks so, yeah. <laughs> so how did so, but there's there's stuff here for sure but i think that it's it's 
it's different here. And it's like, I know a lot of bands, my friend Urosh and the guy who also does uh, live uh, sound for, for Blackheart and Red Step and, and was the actual uh, recorded and, and co-produced with me, the Red Step album. Mm-hmm. He had a great band. It was um, called uh, Threesome and they were kind of like surf, surfy. Oh, cool. And I think they found a label um, actually in the States. It's weird here. And I think that um, Man. For, for anything to, to kind of break beyond the borders, it would have to internationalize and have English kind of as a language right. as, as primary. Um, but I mean, yeah, there is definitely, there's definitely a scene here, but I, you know, it, it could be stronger in terms of the alt alternative indie stuff. So right now it's turbo folk and Serbian surf. <laughs> yeah okay but there are definitely people doing creative stuff here for sure there's some great people doing great music so how did you meet everybody that became the red step and, and how did you choose the name is there a, a significance to the name because it sounds like there is yes yeah, so interesting the drummer is my brother-in-law okay and uh the bassist is my kum this is a specific serbian thing it's like best man and godfather of your child combined. Oh, wow. Type so okay. he was at our wedding as, as a best man. And so has this title. And I, I met, of course, I met these guys through, through my wife. And, um, I actually went and saw their, uh, previous band, cousin Zoshi play. And I'm like, Oh, these guys are actually great players. Like, oh. um, and the keyboardist was also, so I, I like inadvertently kind of stole, <laughs> the band I shouldn't be other than the singer of the Cosmos I feel bad. But um <laughs> a little bit. So so that's how we all met. And and they uh they're like, you, you know, we know you're some musician guy, you should, you know, we should jam, whatever. And I'm I'm not at all into jamming. But I was like, well, okay, I have a handful of ideas, like let's get together and play. And so we kind of started doing that uh and playing and it just developed from there. Another interesting thing is that I I this is the first time that I've been in a project where I am kind of the front person singer. Yes. Guitar player. Yes. So that was an interesting thing. Like I, I had never considered myself uh, a singer. I just didn't really think about it that way. And, um, a friend of ours, this guy, Nikola Vronkovic from a band, a popular band here called Blockout. He came to our practice and we were talking about it. And I was like, I don't know, man, I really would like to find someone and, and especially someone who can sing in English. Da, da, da. And he's like, why don't you do it? Oh, <laughs> and I was like, uh, me, it was like, ding. And I'm like, well, I don't, he's like, look at, he's like, just go, go sing right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. And so I sang and I'm, I'm sure it was like fucking awful, but like, <laughs> he, he's like, he's like, keep doing that in six months. You'll be fine. Wow. He's like, you'll find your voice. Just, just do it. And so I had never considered my voice an instrument. I mean, I'm a multi-instrumentalist and it was weird that I had never considered that to be a role for me. Like, man. Um, so it was almost like a dare. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, well, he was, um, he, uh, maybe I'm getting him wrong, but he, like, he's like, you do it. Like, well, what's wrong with you? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, the, so that's how that happened. And that was also an interesting experience writing lyrics because Paul is a, the primary lyric writer for Blackheart. Okay. The lyric writer. And my role in terms of that stuff for Blackheart is like, just, we just make sure everything that we all, we all like everything that is there. Okay. So kind of like post, post writing editor or something. <laughs> so that was also fun, like trying to figure out. I had never really considered writing, you know, words or lyrics. So wow. that was also an interesting process. So you just jumped into that role completely. Yeah, there was kind of not much else to be done about it. So I did. <laughs> no one else is doing it. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, interesting. And, and I'm glad um, I have to thank Nikola Vrankovic for, for that. <laughs> when, that push. when you're working on the music and the songs for the Red Step, do the the Serbian members of the, the the band do they bring like a different view of music, like you know the Turbo Folk view, or you know something that's more native to Serbia as opposed to like like American rock music? Maybe you know chord progressions, song arrangements, things like that. Is, is do they have a different point of view to make this song sound a little different? Well, I, I originally thought that that's how it might go, but. Not, not directly okay. like this. There's really nothing. Um, there's really nothing like Balkan about the red step, except for one song that's not on this album. It's called uh, a road to sorrow. For that one specifically, um, I wanted um, a Balkan like female vocalist and violinist. Uh, so that one, that one does have it, but mostly no. And but if it does, if there is any influence, it's sort of indirect from like their perspectives. And of course, you amass like you know all kinds of different experiences and perspectives. Right. So, but not directly though. No. And what, no, so, what is behind the name Red Step? Ah, uh-huh, okay. This is interesting. So, of course, you know the name thing. It's it's always a, a, a you know battle nowadays. Like, even more so, yeah. Ooh, hard to come up. Yeah, hard to come up with something simple, effective, and not taken. Whatever. Like, exactly. <laughs> so, we were kind of you know thinking about it, and uh, my coom, this guy Rudy, who I mentioned before, mm-hmm. um, the bassist, he said he was talking about his son um, who was just learning to drive and went on his first drive, which would be something like jump in the fire. Like, you know, you're just like, you make it happen. Like jump, wow. jump in the pool or whatever. Oh my so gosh. he said, he said, um, he said, um, he's taking his first in English. He said, he's taking his uh, first red step or some kind of something like that. Okay. And I was like, Oh, but I found out that it was kind of an improper trans. He translated it directly to English. And, and so it's not exactly right. <laughs> 
but um, but I was like the red step. And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, this is actually great. Um, it's uh, I found out first that it was available, which was nice. Right, and good. then then I started thinking about it and what the meaning behind it would be. And it, it actually with names, it's kind of funny. It's more like, does it not suck? Rather than <laughs> is it good? <laughs> because you can find like if you you can name something something and then realize later like oh no it could be perceived this way and uh, okay i see what you're saying so i thought about it for a long time and i couldn't find any sort of negative anything negative terribly negative about it right. and then in terms of the positive thing sort of like you know serbia being part of um former yugoslavia which is like communism light right so like the red step red for communism taking a step in that direction and also because i had moved from the states here mm -hmm. so there's one red step. And then it's also like a dance move, a step. Oh, so it like has this idea of dance, like the red step, um, dance name. And then also it's kind of noirish, like, you know, you think oh. of like someone, someone stepping in, in, a, in, in, a, in some blood and leaving these bloody, bloody oh, steps. That's cool. <laughs> I didn't think that that, yeah. I mean, man, that does, I could see that in the, uh, in, in an old black and white movie like uh i'm blanking on any of the actors names but i can see their faces but it's uh you use some of that old footage in your videos like uh, the uh yeah. the vaudeville era and, and some old old factory film that i've seen that's really yeah, cool stuff like, yeah yeah the um that's uh mariana my wife she's does all the artwork oh, uh, cool. and design and so that's, that was her, our idea was, was like, let's, let's do something for all the videos. Um, we made our first video and I think it was a little ambitious and didn't turn out quite how we had in mind, but then okay. we're talking about it. Let's do something where there's a theme. It's thematic. So all of them will have some similar aspect. Like, I don't know, you see some bands release things on YouTube where it's like, um, it's, there's like minimal movement. Um, mm -hmm. so it's more, it's more, a little bit more interesting than staring at a, an album cover. Right. But, um, but so there's something happening a little bit and we were like, let's do that, but a little bit more. Okay. So it's not really, you know, the traditional video in that sense, but so pretty much the idea is that all the videos from this point forward will be like that with this, like this kind of smoky inky mask that drops down. Yes. And some, some kind of footage, um, vintage footage of some sort that, that represents in some way the, the meaning. Okay. Well, I, I loved, I loved watching them. They're really cool. Some really excellent old industrial footage. I love that kind of stuff. Great. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so you've mentioned that cool too. It's a little weird though. So I don't know if it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I like it. I don't, you know, but now you, yeah. you've mentioned that the songs that you write are more influenced by reading rather than, than music. How can you explain oh, maybe uh, how that works yeah so this kind of ties into um what we were talking about before with this like songs in my head thing okay. i'll elaborate on that a bit yeah so yeah. like the there are there are some people who have huge record collections and they like to you know who, who are musicians mm -hmm. and they they have these masses so they're, they're constantly getting this input um a musical input and um for me like I, I i couldn't do that it's it's too much information and i would be worried about am I going to plagiarize something or, or it would be too, okay. it would be such a, a crazy like process. Right. So for me, I really don't listen to a lot of music. Um, wow. Okay. And, and so what happens in my head, I think is that there's like an amalgamation of a lot of stuff I've heard before from the past and it all kind of just melds together in, into something. Okay. 
so I mean, there are all kinds of different processes for, you know, writing songs for me. It's, it's that. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and as for, um, the, so my, in my like inspiration comes from things that since I don't listen to music, it comes from so much, it comes from other things like reading or just life experiences, observing vampires. Vamp- of course, serving vampires, okay, serving vampires, <laughs> the original vampire. Yeah. 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 No, none of this Transylvania portion. The bullshit. (laughs) The poser. Exactly. You know, probably need to bring a lawsuit for um, the uh, appropriation of Serbian vampires by Transylvania. Cultural appropriation. Yeah. Yes. We need to do something about that. I don't know what I could... Appropriation. A a vampire lawsuit would be amazing. That would be, yeah. That sounds like a good Saturday Night Live skit or something. Back when they were good. Yeah. Totally. Hey, could I ask you a question real quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, how did you, I, I really dig the name uh, Performance Anxiety for your show. And okay. I was curious, like how, how that came about. Like, oh. was, is there meaning behind it? There was, uh, <laughs> but the show's kind of morphed a bit since then. I was trying to think of, um, I, I used to do a bunch of sports podcasts. One was a local, I, I live near Washington, D.C. So one was a local podcast based on the dc sports teams and we when that ended we kind of branched out with some friends on the west coast me and me and my one of my co-hosts for that we kind of branched out and did one that was more nationally focused so but i was never getting my musical fix we'd have guests and all and but each each of those would have a theme you know one was dc sports and the other was kind of a sports comedy mix but there's always some you know sports was always the running theme through the whole thing and so i figured I want to do this podcast where I, I talk to artists and all, and I, but I started trying to think of what's a common theme I could ask about to tie all the shows together. And I was way overthinking it. And I figured I would start asking about if they, if singers, if singers, if musicians or artists, creative people that I had on the show had any type of performance anxiety. And I would get so into the conversation I would forget to ask that specifically. <laughs> so it started off as, you know, hey, you know, how did you get over any fears that you had, you know, play, whether it's playing in public or um, fears of, of branching out into a different type of music, you know, whatever, whatever type of anxiety a creative person would have. And um, I just kept forgetting to ask. And so it's kind of, not exactly been a focus of the show, but I started and I got my, my logo made and everything. So I can't really change it now. Um, right. But, right. That's great. That's awesome. But no, that, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. That's great. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, the common theme is basically now I just like getting the uh, stories that happen behind the scenes. You know, what happens when you're recording? What's a weird story that happened when you're recording or what's the worst experience you've had live? you know, things like that. So, um, plus similar to, to band issues, there's a million, well, more (laughs) millions of podcasts out there and you got to find one that doesn't have a name. You know, you you got to find something with a unique name. So it's, fortunately that one was not taken. And, um, that would, that's, that's basically how the whole thing came about. 
Great. Well, congratulations. It's, it's awesome. I see that you've done 150 ish of these things. Yes. Oh, thanks, man. Cool, cool title, cool title or cool uh, name for the show. And I, oh, I mean, in the spirit of the show, I have a performance anxiety story. I am ready. <laughs> so, um, I all, first of all, I always have it. Um, oh. I had it usually like uh, 15 minutes before the show and at least 10 minutes into the show. Oh, wow. oh well, hey, you know, that kind of goes with your whole not being comfortable playing an instrument. A little bit. Yeah. So there, there's always, there's always that, um, that aspect, but it, it tends to, it tends to just kind of behave the same way each time. Okay. Like, okay, I'm always nervous. And then I'm mortified for, you know, five or 10 minutes on stage <laughs> and then it just becomes a, <laughs> no matter what it can be for like, you know, playing to two people or playing to 15,000. It's like all the same. Okay. So, but the, the, the scariest experience that I've ever had was not from playing a, didn't come from playing a, a show, but from playing a wedding. Really? Yes. Oh, so, wow. So Paul and I uh, did the music for Dale and Maureen Crover's wedding. Dale Crover. Oh, yeah. Melvins and Melvins. Or some Nirvana. Yeah. Um, we had done some touring with with um, the Melvins and all, and also Maureen was like a, an old housemate of mine, roommate, and super good friends. Oh, cool. So they decided, like she, they, they decided that they wanted us to do the actual music for the ceremony. Oh wow! And, and I didn't. It, it was very complicated. There were five different pieces or so, if I recall, oh or at least four. Wow. Union of the Candle and and all the stuff. And uh, there were. Oh, yeah. oh, so we did, I did something funny, like with the, with the melody for the, here comes the bride. Dun, 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 dun. I changed all the chords underneath it. So it would sound more like nightmare before Christmas. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we just, it was kind of fun and, and interesting. That's but awesome. so the, that wedding was filled with pe like people and bands and, and not only just bands with like tons of people who I, I respected and yeah. looked up to. And there were hundreds of them. And it, I was scared shitless. And after that, it, it went off. Okay. Um, uh, but after that, I vowed like no more, no more weddings. No <laughs> because not, not only that, but it's like you're, when you play live and if you make a mistake, you can be like, eh, well, screw it. It's like, it's my band. I made, you know, it's okay. I made a mistake. Yeah. But like in a situation like that, you're like directly giving some, this is for someone else like directly. Yeah. And they're going to be it's recording for it for this purpose. Like, yeah. And so the pressure to, to make sure you're doing it right for them is, you know, it can be a, a bit overwhelming. Oh yeah. And if it's your friends, you know, you mess something up, it's rec a, it's recorded and B you're never going to hear the end of it. Of course. Right. <laughs> that, that's kind of funny because I, I just saw uh, an article maybe two, eh, maybe it's a month ago, maybe a little more, a uh, story of, of Iron Maiden crashing a wedding in Poland. Okay. And I don't know how it happened. I don't remember the story behind it, but they, uh, they're on tour. I think maybe the, the tour bus had broken down or something. So they went into this restaurant or bar or something and it turns out there was a wedding there. So they went up with the wedding band and they just started playing with the wedding band. <laughs> so, what, what, what did everyone think of that? Were they aware of who it was? I think the, uh, the, the bride or the groom knew who it was and maybe like a couple of the, of the wedding party, but there's like, you know, grandparents and all in, in the audience. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Who are these long hair weirdos jumping on stage? Cause they, they actually have a video of it. Mm -hmm. It was videotaped cause you know, it, it's the wedding and I, 
Right. Somebody videotaped it. And it's, uh, it's on YouTube, I believe. And uh, it's, it's hilarious. That's amazing. That's like either the best or worst thing to happen to you. Oh like yeah. Depending on. For me, it would be the best. I, I love Iron Man. Absolutely. But, that, would, that would rule. <laughs> but, but if it was my brother, he'd be, he'd be like, what the fuck is going on? This is, this right. is terrible. So Exactly. Crazy. Great. I'll check it out. <laughs> I got a chance to listen to the album and it's really cool. There's definitely a darkness and a little ominous feel to it. It's energetic. It's, I mean, it's not like plotting. It's there is definitely energetic, but it's definitely sounds a little dark and, and maybe to my ignorance of the area definitely seems Baltic because everything that I've ever heard of, like that area of the world, Serbia, Yugoslavia, Bosnia, all that it's, it's, it seems like a very dark depressing place but that might be my cold war old viewpoint coming in so, <laughs> right. but oh, that's interesting oh sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say but it feels to me like um i don't know one of my favorite albums back in the 90s was a sabotage album when right before trans-siberian orchestra kind of grew out of that they had a, a album based upon uh, a, a story about Sarajevo and it was all cold wow. and snowy and it was the album Dead Winter Dead which I really like but that's the feel that I always get I always get like a cold snowy dark feeling whenever I he hear anything about that area of the world so this mm -hmm. album is a little little dark and ominous and, and kind of fits with my perception of the area yeah, I, I suppose it. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose having lived here and, and hearing the music that comes from here, yeah. <laughs> it's not, not so much. <laughs> but but here's where that may have come from: is that uh, having grown up in San Diego, we have a, a noticeable lack of seasons. So it's basically always summer there. And part of this part of this Blackheart procession thing um, was like longing for winter. Like I want this winter. The winter will never come. Okay. And so we kind of made that winter happen. And also I'm, I'm, I will say for, for sure in terms of musical influence, Eastern European classical is one of them. Okay. Okay. So I kind of come from that, uh, <laughs> that thing. And the Balkan thing is a little bit different, especially Serbia because of the Ottoman empire influence. So things yeah. sound a bit different or Asian. Okay. okay. Now, Macedonia, though, Macedonia, their folk music is crazy dark. Oh, really? Like, really. Yeah. I see. That's, I like dark, folky stuff. Like, one of my favorite bands of all time is Woven Hand and 16 Horsepower. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the kind of stuff that, I, that I'm kind of drawn to. Maybe it's, maybe it's the uh, Serbian vampire in me coming, trying to come out. <laughs> but the, Fantastic. Your, <laughs> your guitar is so heavy but without going the obvious you know heavy metal distorted tone it's it's it sounds just like it's a subtly overdriven clean channel very garage rocky sound yeah and i i love it especially um i'm trying to think of this song um through our seasons
first of all, the cello on that is absolutely beautiful. It's a beautiful and, melody, yeah. Yeah, and the, the guitar tone on that, it sounds a little bit like a Stevie Ray Vaughan type of tone to the guitar where it's just slightly overdriven. It's just so it's just an, an amazing track. I, I think it, through our seasons is my, is my favorite track on the album. Wow. Great. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's more in the, the black heart zone. Yeah. Um, of stuff. And the, with the red step, it was like, I, I, you know, with black heart, it's like, okay, I've been depressed for six <laughs> albums plus numerous EPs. Yeah. Like I want to be p- a little bit pissed off. Right. And, so, but there's still some leftovers there for sure. There are a few songs that kind of have the more black hearty vibe. Right. Um, but, um, Oh, what was I going to say guitars, something about the guitar. Oh yeah. So what's important to me, I have this issue with genre. Okay. And I, people, people are always like, what, what genre is it? Or is it A, B, C, D, E, F core thing? Right. You know, grind thing, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, where, where it's like, to me, all that matters is genuineness. Like you're just being on, like the stuff you're doing is coming from your heart and yeah. it's real. Not like, like Madonna. Not right. Exactly. And her silly frozen song. Exactly. <laughs> Broke my heart, Madonna. In a, in a way, probably you know, very specific. To that's that's <laughs> she probably broke hearts, but not like that. Um, she was the beginning so that, of the Black Heart Procession. What's that? She was the very beginning of the Black Heart Procession. Absolutely, yes. She's like the the, the patron saint of Black Heart. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Who knew? We don't really tell anyone. <laughs> have to cut that out. Okay. I'll, 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 you know what? I'll bleep, I'll just bleep her name out so that nobody knows. And it'll just exactly. be, a, it'll just be in the, uh, black heart procession lore. Now there's somebody that was started at all. Who was it? Excellent. It was mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> so you, okay. So I'm sorry. I interrupted you. You're saying that. No, it, no, it's great. I, I enjoy this as, as a conversation. <laughs> um, oh yeah. The other, the other component that I, that I think is important is taste. So this okay. is where the kind of the genre thing, um, like for example, if I put like heavy metal guitars over this stuff, it would just be tasteless right. in my opinion, at least to me. Yes. So I was looking for this thing where, with the overall design of the sound for the red step, I wanted it to be like kind of classic, like instruments that could have been, you could have made this in like the fifties or sixties. Yes. Like they were, all those instruments existed. And I wanted that kind of tonality. I wanted to go back a little bit to like a classic rock sound and these kind of, you know, right. These like garagey sounding guitars. Um, but then with the cello to add the cello to add the sophistication a little bit, Okay. So you have a classic, you know, garage rocky type thing, post punky thing, and but then there is a cello there, which yeah. adds a, brings it a little something more, but is still tasteful. Um, that was my idea. Okay. Um, whether it's it or not, that was that was, I, the, I that was the, to keep the genuineness and the honesty of the music and and the the projection, and then this element of taste. I think I mean it works perfectly on, on through our seasons and uh, reset is just awesome too because that's that song is so heavy to me without using things like distortion and you know things that would be tasteless
before the storm, temporary loss, and through our seasons. I think this, this is my top four of of the album. Oh, great, cool. Yeah, temporary loss is a fun one. That that one was like a deliberate choice to to fuck up the ending. Oh, really? Because it, cool. it it could have really easily just been a pretty standard arrangement. Right. And finished, you know, the three, three and a half minutes, something. But I thought like w- w- when the words were developing, everything was happening with that. I figured like, okay, this song should just have some noise, like noisy build ending. That's different. I love it. And, and that song is actually very dark lyrically. I like to keep things indirect. I like, I like, I like myself personally to be able to interpret lyrics. Okay. I don't like when they're incredibly direct. Right. Right. So, and, and I love when people, when people are argue over like the meaning of Beatles lyrics, it's like, yeah, <laughs> have fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they probably don't even know what they mean. Exactly. Exactly. God. They probably barely remember they did, Yeah. They leave it, they leave it open enough for people to, you know, kind of make the song their own. Yeah, exactly. Now, do you use a lot of gear? Do you collect gear? Are you, are you concerned about gear? Is that something that you're interested in? Not at not one bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you you no. I'm really. It's I, I I don't use any pedals live. Oh cool. Um, uh, I just I have like a Vox AC30 and oh nice. Uh, when it's turned up loud enough, it gets that kind of distortion you're talking about. Yes. That that saturates and breaks up a little bit, and uh, that's all. That and awesome. and for the longest time, the longest time I. Like the guitar I was using was a sort of Franken guitar that my Rudy, the bassist, um, had built. Oh, really? And it was a combination of like a Music Master neck and some some kind of like Jaguar body. It was weird. Oh, cool. um, it is it is weird, but it was all that was here. I came here with like a backpack and like a tiny suitcase. Oh wow! So you and nothing. just and made it, a clean break then. Yeah, it was it was really refreshing to like shed the stuff. I can imagine. I I can't do that i've got three kids and like 3500 cds i'm one of those music collector guys you're talking about i'm in the process of, of, of uh, you know reacquiring a whole bunch of stuff I'm, <laughs> I'm also not trying to create music so <laughs> right you wouldn't want to hear the music but I'm I weird. yeah i see a lot of people like they're really into pedals pedal boards and then on in the studio side you know outboard gear yeah um, all the you know the the different um channel strips and all that stuff and i think it's necessary i think it's really cool especially for the studio like that stuff needs to be there and oh yeah, yeah. but i don't know for me and, and i don't look at people who use pedals or anything like that great go for it yeah but for me i like to keep things as simple as possible and like the root of the tone like not to overcomplicate. Like, so if, if I lose two pedals and I can't play like, you know, yeah, exactly. Like I, I've had bands on here that if they've told me that if a pedal goes down just because of the way the band is set up, then, or, or if a cable goes, it's a patch cable it they're, they're toast. And right. it's, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's just, it's the way they get their unique sound, but it, it kind of, they're, they're kind of, um, Oh, what's the word? What's the phrase? They're, they're kind of beholden to that gear then. They, you know, if that right. something breaks and they can't find a replacement, like if they're in Serbia and uh, a specific pedal goes down uh, part of their pedal board and they can't get it fixed, they're, they're screwed. Right, right. So, well, that's the decision that they have to, they have to balance. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So <laughs> I've got a player not. <laughs> I've got another question for you before we start to wrap up uh, because I thought this was really interesting. How did you end up playing with David J from Bauhaus? 
Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so let's see, this was around when we were, I think we had just started making our fourth album, Amore del Tropico. And, uh, he had moved to San Diego, like randomly. So again, San Diego, sort of like the spawning ground of the unlikely gothy dark (laughs) stuff (laughs) and retirees, right? You know, (laughs) just all intermingling, having fun. Much like Tampa uh, retirees and death metal. Right, right. <laughs> so, okay, cool. San Diego is yeah. sort of, you know, there's its mirror and edge. It's, instead, it's like, you know, goth, gothy. Right. So I, I, I never asked him why he ended up moving to San Diego. But um, so he did, and he started kind of hanging around, like, the scene, going to shows. He came to some of our shows, and we met. Oh, cool. And um, eventually he just asked um, if, if uh, I would, he asked me if I would play piano on something he was working on. And I said, well, sure. So, and I did, it's, it's actually a super boring story. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Anything I'm sorry. That... I wish I could. <laughs> no, it's, it's the first it. Bauhaus reference in the show. So it's not, it's, it's awesome. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that, that happened. And then, um, yeah, I got to play, I, we, we played live like once or twice and with that, with that project and I got to play piano on a Bauhaus song with someone from Bauhaus. So I was happy. That's see, that's awesome. That's not boring at all. That is cool as hell. Yes, yes. <laughs> so where can people find the album? It, it's coming out, and well, by the time this episode comes out, it, it'll probably be just out. So where can people... Yeah, where, where can people uh, if order it, find it, follow you guys on social media? Yeah, so we're... we're um, our, our social media is easy. It's... Um, I need to actually get better at that, but it's, it's at the Red Step Band for everything. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at the red step band. Excellent. And, um, in terms of, of buying the album, it should be available in stores, but uh, I think the, the best option would be to go to Pravda records website. Okay. I'm pretty sure it'll be available there. Perfect. Perfect. Well, let's, let's work together and promote the shit out of this episode. I want to have the number one podcast in Serbia. <laughs> uh, I, I, th- I think that's doable <laughs> I'm going to start looking at my I don't see I'm not a lot of people doing podcasts are big into the metrics and I you know I'm no, this this number of downloads and this many streams in this country and that country I, I don't know any of that crap I just like doing mm-hmm. talking to people so this is that's what the fun part to me is so I but I will check my numbers in Serbia after this episode comes out so I'm <laughs> I'm going to be hashtagging. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm going to be hashtagging I'll, I'll Serbia. Do my best. All right. <laughs> excellent. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and telling me some awesome stories. And, uh, I'm really enjoying the album. I, I'd love, I love the sound of the whole thing. It's just, it's just fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, and thank you for having me on. It was, it was a great discussion. I had a lot of fun.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 